0: Okay, title of this message is called Cleansing the Temple. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 27 is going to be our scripture where we start with, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now you've got to realize Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, not to the Ephesian city, not to the Ephesian councilmen, he's writing to the believers in Christ. And he's telling them that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Why is he writing this to them? Because they're probably walking in, like the Gentiles were. In other words, their lives when they got saved weren't necessarily changing the way they should have. They are, Paul is saying, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but not that is not the way you learn Christ. So here's what he's basically saying. If you read between the lines, he's saying, why are you doing these things that the Gentiles do? That's not how you learn Christ. Right? Assuming that you've heard about him and we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I believe he's a little, using a little sarcasm there to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth of his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity To the devil. That's the first I want to concentrate on. Give no opportunity to the devil. The Amplified says, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So don't give the devil room or opportunity, but you could also say, Don't give the devil a room. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to use the book of uh, Nehemiah to bring out a uh, visual truth, but let me begin by saying here Paul is telling the church at Ephesus how they should be living for God. If they continue to live the way they used to live, now that they're followers of the Lord, they give the enemy an opportunity or an in, 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 um, is that Spanish? Uh, they give the enemy an opportunity or entrance into their lives. I don't know why I started thinking in Spanish there for a minute which one of (laughs) y'all the word the word was okay anyway let's keep going on so actually the word opportunity could also be translated as place or room Give no room for the devil. This is what I want to look at today and see if we can't get a biblical understanding of what this might mean for us. I want to use an incident in the book of Nehemiah to see if it can shed light for us in discovering the meaning of what the Bible is telling us in this verse. So if we were to go to Nehemiah chapter 13, it says in verse 6 through 12, While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked the leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber, and I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back here the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. And so I confronted the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their stations, and all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, the wine, and the oil into the storehouses. So, let me give you a little bit of understanding what's happening here. Seventy years after King Nebuchadnezzar had laid waste to Jerusalem, during the Babylonian siege, King's siege, King Cyrus of Persia allowed the Jews to return to the holy city. Those that had been taken captive to Babylon were allowed to go back to rebuild the temple. Under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the governor and Joshua, the high priest, the exiles began this great work, as we've seen, because I preached on this not too long ago. Years passed, and the rebuilding effort was taking longer than expected because the builders also had to guard the city, for the walls had been destroyed and the city was open to attack. Nehemiah, who was not born in Jerusalem, had never been to Jerusalem. He was born in captivity. He was born in Babylon. He was a Jew, but he was serving as a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. So it didn't mean he was a servant slave like we would think. He was actually a very well thought of official in the Babylonian court. But he heard about what was happening in Jerusalem and he requested a leave of absence to rebuild the wall. His request was granted and as we've learned previously, he and a group of Jews rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Nehemiah then returned to Persia because he had to go back to work. (laughs) Somehow they know, Doug, you had a couple of weeks off and he had to go back to work. Beth had a couple of weeks off and she had to go back to work. Nobody wants to go back to work. Betty, what if they called you and said, you got to go back to work? (laughs) She's like, no, i got to find out who won on Jeopardy! tomorrow. Okay, so anyway, Nehemiah went back to Babylon, returned to Persia to serve King Artaxerxes, and after some time, after checking in and doing what he needed to do, he was allowed to return to Jerusalem to check on the work he had left in the charge of others. When he got back to Jerusalem, Nehemiah was made aware that Tobiah, an Ammonite official, had gained access to one of the rooms inside the temple. So what we want to look at today is we want to see how Tobiah gained access to this room in the temple so that we can understand and get a picture of sometimes how the enemy can mess with us. Because I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says in the Old Testament, there was a physical structure, a physical place at the city of Jerusalem on Mount Zion, where the temple was built, where the ark of God was put inside the most holy place, where the presence of God hovered over the mercy seat. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent and now the Spirit of God that hovered over the mercy seat now indwelt his people that confessed and believed in Jesus Christ. We individually and we corporately are the temple of God. Amen? We are the temple of God. But like we learned in the book of Ephesus, Just because we are the temple of God doesn't mean that we're totally clean and free and all bunch of stuff is not found in the temple. That's the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God. The Word of God is to take what has been set apart for God and prepare it and make it fit for what God says we are. That's why it says in Ephesians 4 and 1, walk in a manner worthy of that which God has called you. God has called us pure. God has called us holy. God has called us sanctified saints of God, which means set apart. Now we've got to learn how to live according to what God says we are. Right? Okay. So I'm just trying to tell you where we're going there. So anyway, um, Tobiah was an Ammonite. He was an Ammonite. He was a descendant of Abraham's nephew Lot and a distant relative of the nation of Israel. Now, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the Ammonites attacked Israel. Most people didn't. They didn't attack Israel, but when Israel wanted to enter in, then they entered into battle. But Ammonite actually came out of Canaan and attacked Israel. Because of that, that was when Moses, I think that's, no, those were Amalekites. But anyway, it may have been at that particular time. But anyway, uh, uh, I think that's when Moses was on the mountain holding up the rod, and that's when Joshua defeated him. I think that was it. So anyway, in Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 4, this says, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you. Oh, that's who the Ammonites are. Ammonites are okay. Because they hired Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. So it wasn't when Moses was on the mountain. It's when, when they were camped in front of Moab, and, uh, and Balak hired Balaam to come and curse the Israelites. Okay, so anyway, the law of Moses forbade them from ever entering into the tabernacle kind of reminds me of the enemy, right? The enemy uh, uh, is, is, is uh, Jesus overthrew, uh, death, hell, and the grave. The enemy, the accuser, the brethren, uh, there is, is the enemy of God, is the enemy of God's people, will never enter into the tab- tab- tabernacle of God, will never be allowed to enter into the church of God uh, according to the work that Jesus did, legally, according to the Word of God. But we know the enemy works in the church because I believe that in the church you got all manner of stuff going on. you got people that are, yes, you got people that carry bitterness, unforgiveness, that are living in sexual promiscuity, uh, that are committing fornication. All of that is going on in the church. Greedy, slothful. Now I'm not talking to any of y'all. I'm talking about other churches, yeah. Nobody here, nobody here. Other churches, right. (laughs) The Bible says uh, uh, that the law of Moses forbade them from entering the tabernacle in his anger. Tobiah teamed up with a man named Sanballat and began a campaign to discourage Nehemiah from building the city walls. In Nehemiah chapter 4, is that what I have here? Chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. I told you we're going to have to... uh, read a little bit here when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashtadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed they were very angry and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it and we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them by day and night doesn't the Bible say in John 10 and 10 the thief comes but to steal, kill and destroy. Paul said another place we wanted to come to you, but the enemy hindered us, uh, laid a trap for us, so we couldn't accomplish what we wanted to do. Doesn't this, uh, uh, in some way, paint a picture of uh, uh, what the enemy tries to do? Tobiah actually means. Let's see. I looked it up right before he came out here. It means um, God is good, right? So, how can this person whose outward name means God is good not be doing good for, uh, for the purposes of God, because the Bible says the enemy comes as an angel of light. He looks good on the outside, but his heart is not good, and he's not looking for your benefit. He's looking for your demise. So anyway, when they saw that their plan wasn't working, they looked for a way to legally enter the temple. They were forbidden by God to enter the temple. They couldn't discourage the building, so what they tried to do is, through deception, get a way into the temple. Now, remember, the temple today is the church of God. We're talking about a physical temple back then, but, to, but today the temple is the church of God. So Nehemiah 6, 17, and 18 says, Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. So here we got a conversation between the people of God and the enemy of God. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, Because he was the son in law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehonahan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. So here we see that Tobiah married the daughter of Shekinah, who was one of the tribes of Judah, and found a way to get one of the grandsons of Eliashib, the high priest, to marry Sanballat's daughter, and that was the person that he was in bed with. All right? Nehemiah 13 and 28. One of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law, Sambalat, the night, Therefore I chased him from me. So Tobiah made covenant with people that are supposed to be the people of God. And then he used his connection to Eliashib, the high priest, to persuade the high priest to give him access to the storerooms of the temple. So basically what happened is Eliashib, the priest of God, then the Bible says uh, we are a kingdom of priests, right? We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm going back and forth making, you know, uh, uh, application. But anyway, what happened is Eliashib gave permission for Tobiah to have a room in the house. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? He couldn't get in there unless he had access. He couldn't force his way in there. He couldn't legally get in there according to the word of God. So how did he get in when someone gave them access? The Bible says in Nehemiah 13, 4 through 5. Now, before this, Elisha, the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, was relate who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levite singers and gatekeepers and the contributions for the priest. Now, it's important that we also understand that if you understood how the temple was built, this is not... Um, the holy place or the most holy place these are rooms that were built when Solomon built his temple these were rooms that were built on the side of the temple that were meant to hold provisions and stores and to house people while they were there so these these but they're still part of the temple but in one of these outer rooms one of the person that was in charge of the temple gave the enemy a room or a place or a place or an opportunity, or a foothold. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are y'all following me? So Tobiah, who was an unauthorized person, now had direct access to the temple rooms. What was once used to store the grain, the frankincense, the tithes, new wine, and oil for the temple worship was now at Tobiah's disposal. The revelation of what was going on here is so clear, and it makes application for us today. The enemy, the devil, was defeated at the cross of Calvary. But how many of you know that God didn't wipe him out? Do you know it's never been a problem for God? There is no contest between God and the enemy. Did you know that? So why is there an enemy running around? So we can be used of God to exercise the authority he's given us on the planet to do what Adam was supposed to do, which is to cultivate and to keep the garden. That word keep means to watch over the garden. What was he supposed to do when he watched over the garden? He was supposed to keep the enemy out. God has given us authority. I've given you authority uh, to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. He's given us authority to deal with the enemy. Now, why is the enemy still messed with us? Is it possible that for many of us, if not, I'm not talking about all of us, but for many of us, we may have an open door in our life. And let me just say here at the beginning, I do not believe that a Christian can be possessed by a demon. But I do believe that a Christian can be demonized. He can be afflicted. He can be tormented. He can be oppressed by an enemy. What gives the enemy the freedom to do that in our life? Well, it's not what God wants to do. It's not what God set up to do. It's when we have given the enemy permission through an open door in our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Through some sin, whether it be pride, rebellion, practicing witchcraft. Christians don't practice witchcraft. Really? Really? You ever hear about Christians calling psychics? Why do they call psychics? Because they want to know what's going to happen. Do they know they're not op- Do they not know they're opening a door to the enemy? Christians that go to New Age healers. Christians that practice New Age things like yoga. Drugs. Christians don't do drugs. They're not supposed to. Christians do a lot of things they're not supposed to do. Oh, I can handle it. And the next thing you know, it gets a hold of you. What happens is you give the enemy legal right, access. Doesn't possess you, but you give him a room in the temple. And when you give him a room in the temple, he cuts off the flow of God that's supposed to be coming through that room. Right? Because what stopped? The, the the in that room they were supposed to put the frankincense the oil what did they use that for to light the 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 light in the in the um in the in the holy place so he may not ber- directly get into the temple but he'll cut off the things that keep the temple running then the Bible says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches can choke off the things of God so if he can't directly keep you from serving God he'll try to choke off anything that God wants to do in your life is this too heavy for you okay so anyway um, the enemy had been prohibited from dwelling inside the human temple by the courtroom of heaven because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary the only loophole is if he's given permission to enter the axis is called a foothold and that brings us back to that scripture that we used at the beginning where Paul said leave no such room or foothold for the devil give no opportunity to him once a person grants the enemy access the enemy will enter as to did and be- begin removing the articles that belong in the rooms that That used to belong to God and replace them with the his articles his furniture his things if he can find any means or legal ground to enter he will all right Um, I had a thought here Um, sometimes people think that the church is like the world you want to get to the top right So, if you want to get to the top in the world you want to be the CEO you want to be you know I'm talking about business we use a business model you want to be the CFO you want to be a guy that's at the top who gets all the perks all the stuff right well in the kingdom of God the the way you go higher is by going lower and the lower you go the more weight is placed upon your shoulders but God doesn't do it to bring you down he works with you to make you stronger so that you can handle more okay but the the, the more that God gives you the more you will also understand that the attacks of the enemy ramp up in your life okay so someone once says uh, higher level bigger devil right but I want, to, I want to give you good news. Also, higher level, more angelic help. Right? So you don't have to be afraid. However, the higher you go, and that's not the word we want to use, uh, the more mature, the more you grow in God. Um, the way that I liken this, my Anna used to work in a um, uh, wound healing clinic where they had a hyperbaric chamber. And in the hyperbaric chamber, Elizabeth used to work in that too. In the hyperbaric chamber, they would take you and they would put you uh, in a simulated environment where you were going under the ocean, right? So they, here we, we're at uh, sea level, and then if they took you down, I think it was one ATM or two ATMs or three ATMs, you're going down, down, down. And what happens, the, the farther down you go, the greater the pressure of the weight if we were in a in a submarine, you could look at it this way: the the lower down you go, the greater the pressure of the ocean is around you, right? And so, if you're at the top and you have a weak spot at the top, you know I, I'm talking about at sea level. Um, you know, it's not going to bother you too much. But if you go down an atmosphere, two atmospheres, three atmospheres, four atmospheres, the more Uh, uh, the weak areas of your life are going to really show. And so what I'm saying is that as we grow in the Lord, we should become more like Him. We should see Uh, The things in our life that we could do earlier when we were younger, not necessarily that God agreed with or God want you to do, but things that we were able to do without uh, problems in our life as we grow in God, as the presence of God comes nearer, as we experience more of God, what we find is the things that we could do or we got away with before we can't get away with anymore. Because what's happening is as there's more of the presence of God, not only is is there to whom much is given, much is required, but what we'll also find is the attack of the enemies ramp up as well. And so any weakness in your life, and I'm not saying we have to be perfect. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the open, blatant things that we do, the open sins, the things that that defile the temple that we lived with before, we have to understand that the closer you get to God, not only is it going to affect you from, from a God relationship perspective, but also it gives opportunity for the enemy to come into your life in a greater way. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that the Christian life is not just living a good life, having good morals, obeying those in authority, not just doing good stuff. We live in a spiritual battlefield. Yes, Jesus won a victory at the cross of Calvary. Yes, In Christ, we are victorious. However, we are still fighting against the enemy. That's why James says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the thing is, well, I've been resisting the devil, but have you been submitting to God? Because your victory over the enemy is not you, it is Christ in you. And to the extent that you submit to God is the extent you will see victory over the enemy. Because, well, why? Because the Bible says this, because it's not that the word of God is not true. It's not that what God says is not true. It's that, it's that with our mouths we were saying one thing, but with our actions we are opening a door to the enemy in our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? And when you let the enemy into one area of your life, I'm not saying that he takes over everything. We I'm not saying that at all. But why am I constantly being harassed? Why, why is, is this bothering me? Why can't I shake this thing? Well, you gotta go back and you gotta say, if you've done what you know how to do and you're applying the word, is there an open door in your life? Have we Somehow let the enemy in, and he's tormenting us. He won't go this because we've given him permission to be there. Now, let's move on. So in Nehemiah 13, we read this already, but we'll read it again. After some time, I asked leave of the king. Nehemiah said, and I came to Jerusalem, and I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. Now, let me say this now. Nehemiah's name means comforter. Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came back... And saw what was happening in the temple the Holy Spirit got to work cleansing the temple the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God are mature sons of God you can have the Spirit of God you can speak in tongues and not submit to the Spirit of God's leading in your life if you do not submit to the leading of the Spirit of God in your life, and the Spirit of God will always lead you to submit to the Word of God, if you do not submit, yes, I said a bad word in church, submit. But it's not a bad word in the kingdom. What we do, though, what we have done, is we have allowed the, the ways of the world's thinking to come into the church. And we have said that submission is a bad word. It is not a bad word. It is a godly word. Submit yourself to God. Submit your tongue to God. Submit your heart to God. Well, I confess the Lord Jesus, but is there bitterness and anger in your heart? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Well, how can I get free of that? You've got to submit it to God. Submit your eye gate to God. Submit your ear gate to God. Submit your hands to God. Submit your uh, everything about your life, your wallet to God. Well, I don't have to do that to go to heaven. We're not talking about that. Am I talking about going to heaven? What I'm talking about is to eliminate the ability for the enemy to have access into your life now don't get me wrong I'm not saying that if you cleanse out the temple that the enemy is going to go away and not seek to to harass you that's what he does until the day that you go with be with Jesus you need to expect that you're going to be in a fight but it's one thing to fight someone that's outside your house trying to get in and trying to get someone that's in your house out. You hear what I'm saying? And what I want us to do is I want us to to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and purify us. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and I may not be talking to anybody in this room what I am saying is the Holy Spirit like Nehemiah wants to come in and remove from our lives anything that gives the enemy permission to encamp and harass and afflict us what did it say about Nehemiah it said I was very angry and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber, and I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. So, where you have the enemy, you will not find God. When the enemy goes out, you must replace it with the things of God. Really, spiritual warfare, much of spiritual warfare is displacement. You will be filled with something. Whatever you fill your room with, if you don't allow the Lord into a certain room of your life, the room is filled with darkness. But you say, well, there's nothing in there. Yes, there is. There's darkness. And where does the enemy traffic? He blinded the minds of the believers. Where does the enemy traffic? In darkness. In The beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Uh, um, oh, all things were made by Him. Let me see uh, John 1 and one. I was on a the floor there and I got out of it. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Whenever there's light, darkness flees. So what I'm trying to say is that wherever there's a room that you don't allow God into... Darkness is there. You say well, there's emptiness. Well, there's, where there's emptiness, there's darkness. What I'm trying to get you to realize is that is that where you don't let God in, you give the enemy an opportunity to mess with you. But I gave my heart to Jesus. You did give your heart to Jesus, but when you gave your heart to Jesus, you gave him permission to start cleaning out the temple. Are you hearing what I'm saying? well, I didn't know that when I got saved. Well, I hope you know it now. I want to tell you something. Serving God is way better than serving the devil. The reason we're in church is because we recognize that there was something about serving God that we wanted. When you weren't a Christian, whether you like it or not, it don't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good you were. When you weren't serving God, the Bible says you were serving the devil how do you know because the Bible says when you die if you're not serving God you're going to hell because you go to the place where the devil is going to be you choose sides you either choose God or you choose the devil well I didn't choose anybody I don't believe in God then you be then you then you're following the devil you choose the devil the Bible makes everything clear listen it's the world it's man that confuses things right And again, I'm not going to touch on this tonight. But it's very simple. The Bible is very simple. There's male, female. Well, I don't feel like one of those. Well, get your feelings in check. We're going to train the whole world around you to accommodate your feelings. Grow up. You've been deceived. I feel like marrying a dog. Well, guess what? Whether you feel like it or not doesn't make it right. You think I'm, I'm kidding, but there are people out there that they, that's what they're pushing for. There's right and wrong. Who determines what's right and wrong? God. You know why they want to get rid of God so they can do what they want? And they don't have to submit to the Word of God. Very simple. Very simple. And it's the same with, with, with uh, it's either you serve God and you find a place with God for all eternity or you get what you always wanted was uh, eternity without God. Well, that's not, I mean, God's mean. He's unjust. No, it's what you wanted. You didn't want God. You get what you wanted. You wanted darkness? Well, I didn't want darkness. I didn't know. That's why we're here trying to tell you. We're trying to get you to understand the enemy is a deceiver. He lies. And the nature of deception is you don't know that you're deceived. That's why God sends heralds. He sends preachers. He sends witnesses, testifiers to speak truth. Because truth, a word of God is truth. The word of God has the ability to penetrate deception. And you can still choose to believe the lie if you want. But you can't say, I never heard the truth. And you shall know the truth. But when you put your faith in the truth, it's the truth that will set you free. So what, when I say it, it's very simple. It's, you serve God. You submit to God. Well, I serve God, but I serve God in my own way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. He that would come after me must deny himself, deny his right to self will take up his cross, and follow after me. You cannot serve God in your own way. You have to serve God his way, and his way is Jesus. Well, what does that look like? Whatever he says, I do. Well, I say, whatever he does, I do. Whatever Jesus looks like, that's my pattern for life. Not, yeah, this is pretty good. I'll do that one. I don't like that. I'm not going to do that one. Not that. It's, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Well, how does these things happen? Well, in Revelations 2 and 14, uh, Jesus was, uh, I forgot which church it was, uh, but one of the churches, he says, I have a few things against you. Uh, He's talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Who, put, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality? So there was a teaching going on in the church that basically allowed people to bow. This is what I believe was happening: to bow to Caesar and recognize Caesar as Lord, and still be a Christian. And in order to be to work. They had to belong to trade guilds. We would call them unions. And in these unions, every union had its own God. And if you wanted to be a part of the union, you had to go to the union, uh, what do they call that? The union meetings. And at the union meetings, they had, how would we put it today? I better not go there. Uh, they They would have to sacrifice the idols, and they would commit sexual immorality. And they would say, well, you, you, if you want to work and feed your family, you've got to do this. God understands. And Paul is saying, no. But what was happening was when they did this, what they were doing is they were opening a door to the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? By directly violating what God said was taboo what God says was off limits what God said was wrong it's just like in the garden of Eden God said very plainly do not eat from the tree the day that you eat of it you shall surely die and the devil comes in and says did God really say that that's not true God's not telling you the truth he doesn't want what's best for you he's trying to keep something from you that he knows that you need you, you, and basically he's trying to convince us that we know better and the Bible says when Eve saw that it was good for food, it was uh, tantalizing to the eye. And it would, uh, I forgot the rest of it, but the Bible says in first, first John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. He, his deception opened the door for her to sin, and sin opened the door for humanity to become subject to the enemy. Are, are you... Are you following me? How about in the New Testament, Acts 5, 3 through 4? That was the revelation, but Acts 5, through 4. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, it did not remain your own, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy, the enemy came, he didn't realize the enemy was deceiving him it's when Peter came to Jesus and said Jesus had said I'm going to the cross and Peter said no way and what did Jesus say get thee behind me Satan because what has filled your heart and it's not the things of man, God but the things of man or the things of, of Satan now was Ananias a true believer more than likely yes did he give place to the devil yes What we need to understand is we must stand and use our authority to cleanse the rooms where the enemy has established a presence. Lying is the enemy's nature. When you lie, I'm not talking about just, uh, you know, you make a mistake and you said something you shouldn't have said, although that's not something we should practice either. But I'm talking about you make a habit and a practice of lying. Let's call it what it is. It's deception. When you do that, who is the father of lies? The enemy. You give the devil a foothold in your life. When you practice sexual immorality, now most people when they think of sexual immorality, they think of bad. No, we, we love each other. We're a couple. We love each other. Are you married? No. You're not in covenant? No. Then what the Bible calls it is fornication sexual immorality what happens when you practice that you open the door for the enemy to have a foothold in your life pornography well you know it doesn't hurt anybody you know Uh, whatever case no when you do that you open a door for the enemy to have a foothold in your life and here's the thing about the enemy he will come in like a wedge but he'll seek to pry the door open and get as much as your life as what he can So Second Corinthians 6:16 6, through 18 What agreement has the temple of God with idols We are the temple of the living God as God has said I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So Paul is writing to Christians that have already gotten saved, but he's reminding them. Jesus brought you out of the world, out of darkness, into his marvelous light. Don't go back into that lifestyle. Don't let that lifestyle continue to, to go with you into the house of God, into your walk with God. Now, we understand when, when you catch fish, there's going to be a process where they got to be clean. Let me put in a pitch for 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 Bobby's class I think it's starting this Sunday new believers class If you've never been a new believers class you need to go you need to be there Juan you need to be there Earl he's not here but he needs to be there some of y'all that are new believers you need to be in that class well I've, I've been in church all my life but we don't know the foundation we don't know the elementary principles of what it means to serve God We need to understand that we need to understand the basics I told you before I was foolish when I was a young Christian unlike some of y'all that are wise and I actually did what they told me to do what they tell you to do read my Bible I read my Bible I wanted to read my Bible somebody gave me permission to read my Bible. I read my Bible how often did you read it once a week no I read it every day I couldn't get enough of it And then they said i was supposed to pray can you believe that christians pray no that's for the intercessors that's for other people you know that's only when you're in trouble no the bible says go into your closet close the door and talk to your heavenly father and i did that i did that on a regular basis i've been practicing these things since i got saved right and then go to church oh you don't have to go to church to be a christian or you don't have to go to church every time the doors are open it's funny i don't think god feels that way Who's sitting on the throne me or God God so who's coming up with that idea is it me or God well I don't think it's God cuz he said forsake not the assembling of yourselves and then they then they told me you need to give you know what I did foolish man that I am I just propagated that same old thing where the preacher gets rich and and everybody dreams the poor people and so I I went I was a part of that but you know what I found out that's a lie and deception from the enemy because when I began to practice giving the Lord began to prosper me and as they began to prosper me I had more to give there was another one in there I can't remember what it is I read the word Prayed, went to church, gave. I thought there was something else. But anyway, I practiced these things in my life. Very simple things. Well, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. That's why you need the foundations class. You need to learn what God has done for you. You need to learn what are the basics of the Christian faith. You need to learn these things so that you can continue to become all that God wants you to be. And then I'm teaching you how to do some things as well. I'm teaching you that if you want to have an overcoming Christian life, I'm not talking about you can go to heaven. and and the enemy be messing with you, but I don't just want you to get to heaven. I want you to live an overcoming victorious Christian life. How many of y'all want that? How many of y'all don't want that? that would be easier. Raise your hand. Because of the cross, the enemy cannot have direct access to our lives. However, through deceit and partnership, we can give him access to our lives, where he sets up shop to keep the blessings of God from flowing in our lives. And let me just say one other thing as well, is that I can live a, 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 an overcoming Christian life. We can have a lot of people in our church live an overcoming Christian life, and some people come in and not and believe it or not, that person or those people that refuse to change and refuse to submit, don't want to change, and still don't want to leave, they can actually cause division within the church. because you're giving the enemy access into the body that's why it's so important that we all walk according to that which god called us to do are you hearing what i'm saying it's kind of like a marriage you may be one spouse in the marriage man you're all in for god you're living for god and the other spouse is like meh you know, and you're doing the best you can. You're living the way you can, but your home is not where it need to be. Why? Because you're not in agreement. And you may not be letting the enemy in, but your wife might be letting the enemy in, or your husband might be letting me in, and the enemy's attacking your family and harassing your family. Why? And you have no authority because somebody's given them legal right to be there. This is not. Is this a? Uh, hopefully, I, I understand it might be new, but it shouldn 't be so profound that it doesn 't make sense to us okay so um, Nehemiah gave us a visual God for purging the rooms in our temple through submission to His word. We cast out anything that gives the enemy access and restore the temple to god 's original purpose listen i 've been serving God for a long time about five or six years ago. I went through an issue in my life and i 'll t- tell you i 'll tell you how I got there i won 't necessarily tell you everything I went through, but I had a dream, and I've been going through some stuff. And I had a dream, and in this dream, um, I was in my house in Ridgewood, and I looked up at the ceiling. And when I looked up at the ceiling, I noticed that there was a drip coming through the through the. You ever had your uh, your air conditioner leak, and it comes through the sheetrock? You see a little drip. I said, "No, it's a little drip going on." And then I went to uh, a friend of mine, and uh, he was he has a prophetic gift. And I went into his garage and. And I told him what was happening. And he gave me some uh, caulk to caulk up the area where that drip was coming in. And so anyway, I woke up, went through, I mean, you, know, you can always be honest, went through H-E-double-L. Why did I go through he l Because I had opened a door to the enemy in my life. And what, happening, what was happening is what I had contained in my head, what I left in my head was starting to seep down into my life. And the Lord was telling me that it was time. You got to deal with this thing. And I went through hell because I let hell in my life. But God gave me victory. And God can give you victory. You understand? I couldn't blame anybody else for what I did. I brought this with me from the time that I was a kid. Stuff that I did all my life. No, no, I mean, not, not outwardly, but inside, how I thought. Things that were going on in my head. Things that just had these, these, these issues in my thought life. And that thought life, I, I had always kept it contained, contained, contained. But the Lord was basically, it was starting to come out. It was starting to seep out. I had to deal with it. And, and I, I had to cut it off. I had to cut the in I had to deal with the, what was giving the enemy access into my life. Well, why was this happening? Because I gave him access. I gave him permission because of what I was doing. And I'm growing in the Lord. The presence of God is moving in my life. Things are starting to happen, and guess what? The, the pressure gets stronger. The attacks of the enemy get stronger, and what before you could deal with, now all of a sudden the enemy has an open door to come in. Not that he didn't have an open door before, but it was like it, the, the crack was widening. Right? And so I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, how long we've been serving God. We've got to continue... To press into God. So we've got to continue to submit to God. Resist the devil. And the promise is this. He will flee. He will flee. Because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Amen? So, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. It's not I serve God with my mind and my heart, but my body's free to do whatever it wants. Mm-mm. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Second Corinthians ten four through six, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. Where are these strongholds located? Arguments, thoughts, opinions, ways of thinking. Deceptions, lies that we hold on to, that we believe, that we espouse. And take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. In other words, once the Lord has victory in that area of my life, I'm on guard not to allow that to come back in. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. In conclusion... What I, while I do not believe a Christian can be possessed, I do believe a Christian can be tormented, harassed, and afflicted by an enemy. How does this happen? It's through situations pictured for us in the book of Nehemiah, through partnership with the enemy, through deception, rebellion, pride, sin. The believer allows the enemy access to a place in him or her life where the enemy is given admission and through that place torments the person and works to cause them to stumble and ultimately fall short of that victorious Christian life Jesus paid for us to live. And let me just say one thing as well, just so you're important. Not everybody that's going through he has an open door in their life. Sometimes the enemy just harasses. And we have to Walk. Steadfast, just like Abraham, who walked, wavered not through the valley of unbelief. Wavered not through unbelief. He was being bombarded. He was being afflicted by unbelief. But he continued to trust God through the middle of that battle. Well, he must have done something wrong. Yeah, what he did wrong was not in the eyes of God. What he did wrong was in the eyes of the enemy, is that Abraham was trying to serve God. He didn't like that. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> okay, it made sense to me. I don't know if it made sense to you. Anyway, uh, the an- okay. So um, um, the answer for uh, for for us is Christ. It's the pathway to victory. It's accepting Christ, yes, but it's ultimately found in embracing His lordship. It is through partnership with the Holy Spirit and submitting to God and to his rule and reign in our lives that we are able to root out the lines that have given the enemy access and evict the enemy from that place where he sought to bring influence. More often than not, if not every single time, the way the enemy gets access to us is we believe in deception. So how do I root the enemy out? By embracing God's truth. And then bringing your life into partnership and agreement with the truth of God's Word. All right? Ephesians 4, 20, 22 through 24 and then 27, it's just all run together, it should be up there. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, is what we started with. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil Give no opportunity to him. And finally, John 10 and 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and life more abundantly and life to the full.